this episode of Cropcast. When the droplets come out of a flat fan nozzle, it's it's uh, 50 miles an hour, it's coming out. But after 10 centimetres, they've lost all the energy because they haven't got the mass to be able to get down. If you lift it up, if you double the height, you multiply the drift by a factor of 10. So when you see booms high up in the, in the air saying, well, I'm not going to catch the ground, that's fine. But you're not going to catch the crop either because everything's going to drift away. Welcome to Cropcast. I'm Tiffany McTaggart and I'm really excited to be bringing you this episode. First up, we're talking to Ian Lindsay, Area Manager for Syngenta. We're going to be talking about reducing spray drift and low drift nozzles. We're also going to be talking about closed transfer systems. Also this month, we have a new feature, which is bringing you the latest update of what is happening out in the field. So listen through until the end to hear this update. Welcome Ian, thank you very much for joining us today. Do you want to begin by introducing yourself? Thanks, Tiffany. Yes, I'm Ian Lindsay, Area Manager for Syngenta. Been with them for nine years now. It seems Time seems to have flown very quickly. Um, yeah, so thanks for giving us a chance to, to speak to you today about application. Yeah, so today we're going to be thinking about sprayers and application, talking about nozzles and also about closed transfer systems. We've got lots to talk about today. So just taking a step back to the beginning, people will be thinking about getting their sprayers out of the shed. What sort of check should they be doing before they even think about going on a field? Well, there's a whole myriad of uh, tasks that need to be sorted out in there. First of all, I'm sure there'll be a lot of them have got antifreeze in, so you need to have a good washout from that. And it also makes sure that there's nothing left over in the spray tank from the previous season that may have a, an effect on the crops that are already in the ground. We don't want to knock them out when we've not even started in the season. Check all the pipes and hoses, make sure they're tight. There's no drips and leaks round about. Clean the filters out, make sure that they're uh, in good order as well and make sure they're matched up to the size of your nozzles. Because if you've got a coarser uh, filter in there and a finer nozzle, then obviously you'll get blocked nozzles. We want it the other way around. It's a lot easier to clean a filter out than it is to clean out a whole heap of nozzles. So make sure that's um, in good order. Make sure the pumps are serviced. Uh, connections are all good. There's nothing rusty there that may give you a bad connection. Make sure the tyre pressures are, are good because we don't want to have an unbalanced sprayer because at the end of the day, the tyres are shock absorbers as well for, for your boom stability. Grease the boom. Make sure that it's uh, um, running smoothly up and down the carriage is, is fine and the springs are tensioned on the on the gimbal as well, to, so we're not getting uh, a lot of yaw and therefore over application, under application as it's moving around. So we want to have a good steady boom to make sure everything is uh, is in order. So that's a good start anyway, uh, but just make sure that it is uh, working as you'd expect it to do so. Definitely lots to think about. We did an uh, episode about fertilizers and we're talking about calibration. Are you able to calibrate a sprayer? Well, yes, you are. Uh, there's plenty of jug tests you can go and do, but sprayers nowadays have, have all got their their own flow meters and their, their uh, management systems in there that do it for you. You plumb in how much you want uh, of your flow rate, 
um, you've got your forward speed there and they will then adjust as you go along. The important part is to jug test your, your nozzles, make sure you're getting the right output as you would expect from, from your chart. Um, sample a few of them to make sure they're okay, but that's generally done when the sprayer's gone through its test in any case. So you'll you'll know yourself whether it's uh, in good heart or not. So it's more a case of making sure you read the back of the um, packet when you decide what uh, you're applying and make sure you have a look to see how much water you're meant to be adding. And Well, the, no- the nozzles are there. You know, you, you've, you've got your range generally for, for what we're doing. We're looking at 03, 035s. Uh, 04s or, or 05s even, but an 03 nozzle you would expect to be running around 100 litres a hectare, uh, around 10k, or uh, an 05 where you'd be doing 200 litres at 10k. So if you, the other nozzles in between give you that variation, uh, running at different pressures uh, and different speeds. But as, as a rule, we don't want to be going any more than 12k, 14 at a push, but 10 to 12k is a good speed lets the machine do the work gives good stability in the boom uh, and therefore good application as well so what sort of things do farmers need to be thinking about to reduce their spray drift well spray drift is an important part of, of the operation because obviously we don't want to get products that are destined for the crop into non-target areas whether that be a different crop or into um, conservation areas or heaven forbid into water courses because that's when trouble really comes along and we need to make sure that application is done properly so that the products that we've got uh, are kept rather than given a chance of being revoked if they get to the wrong area then trouble will come and it's down to the, the operators to make sure it stays in the field how do we improve drift reduction well the drift reduction techniques that we use with the different nozzles shows the difference between a flat fan nozzle, which, as I said, is a standard nozzle. So any drift reduction is, redu- is reduction of drift compared to what a flat fan nozzle would do for the same water volume. So we can reduce that. We can get up to as far as 90% drift reduction now, but they are a, they're a much uh, coarser droplet. Whereas if you've got a 50% drift reduction, it's a finer droplet compared to the 90%, but it's coarser than the flat fan. So everything, as I said, is a compromise. So being able to get into into that is good. But we need to still have the efficacy of the products that you're using. So for instance, if you're you're looking to to apply growth regs now, um, early fungicides or, or even some herbicides, we need to have good coverage and good contact onto the target, but we need a finer droplet rather than having a large droplet. Because if you use an analogy, if you're using a mar- throwing a marble at it, then instead of a tennis ball to do the job, then you can see the differences that you that, that you would get. So it's the difference in in the in the droplet size that's important. But a finer droplet running into a fifty percent drift reduction, if you like. For example, a, a 3D, a Syngenta 3D uh, nozzle, then you've got that good coverage, being able to get the target that's smaller, so you've got more efficacy from the product you're using. But if you've been using a coarser droplet, you've got a chance of more runoff or more bounce from it or not hitting the target. So it's important to get to match up the nozzle for what you're doing. If you're looking to go for pre-M, onto bare soils at this time of year, you know, for onto potatoes or onto spring barley 
or even in the autumn. We, we can get away with a larger droplet because you're getting the coverage. And if you think about it, to the, the water volume that you're looking to cover, say an area of one square meter, if you're doing it at 100 liters, that's the equivalent volume is two teaspoons per square meter. And if it's 200 liters, it's obviously four teaspoons per square meter. So if you got a teaspoon and try to apply that evenly over a square meter, you would have difficulty. It's really not much water you're putting on, it's, is it? It's very little water you're putting on. So to be able to get that, and it's the droplet, the size of the droplet that's important to get it there. And if you look at a flat fan nozzle, if it's at 50 centimetre boom height, which is where you need to be to get your, your double overlap coverage, when the droplets come out of a flat fan nozzle, it's, it's uh, 50 miles an hour it's coming out. But after 10 centimetres, they've lost all the energy because they haven't got the mass to be able to get down. So after 10 centimetres, four inches, you've still got a long way to go. So those droplets are then driftable if they're not in the right conditions. Whereas if you're using something that's got more drift reduction, 50%, 75%, 90%, whatever nozzle you're using, then there is more mass in those droplets to be able to get them down onto the target. And that's the important part, hitting your target. So you can just drop the boom a bit lower to then be able to get it to slow down a bit closer to the crop. The difficulty, particularly when you've got bare soil, if you're, if you're looking at that, if you drop that down, you've got the chance of it catching the ground because you've got an even ground. But the main part is you lose your pattern because you need your double overlap. And the angle of the orifice of the nozzle you get your double overlap at 50 centimetre boom height. That's why you have to keep it at that height. If you lift it up, if you double the height, you multiply the drift by a factor of 10. So when you see booms high up in the, in the air saying, well, I'm not going to catch the ground, that's fine. But you're not going to catch the crop either because everything's going to drift away. So either you'll get it in the next field or your neighbour will catch it. And hopefully not in the water and course in between. And hopefully not in the water course in between. So it's important to keep that boom height. And that's why we don't want to be charging across the field at high speed because then the boom's moving and it's got a chance for the wind to then take the product away and get uneven application. So you really do need to make sure it is a very still, quiet day. Twice or three times in the year, yes. <laughs> but that's, that's the compromise we're looking at. And we need to make sure that we're working within the, the correct windows of, of being able to apply it. A, a, a perfectly still day isn't the right time to apply because you get no movement and you need a little bit of air movement to get it in. So, you know, you're, you're looking at uh, sort of force two wind speeds to be able to get the best out of it. Anything more than that, then you can start to run into drift, particularly with your finer droplets. It goes back to the mass, get it down onto the ground or into the target of the crop. There's definitely a lot to think about. There is. Um, it's not a case of just taking your tractor out and hoping for the best. It's re really being specific of what you're doing, why you're doing it, and making sure it's correct, because the damage to the environment if it goes wrong as well will be huge. Well, there is that, and that's the main concern when we're looking at the products when they come to registration. It takes a long time to get the product from, from when you find the molecule to actually get it into a can onto farm. That takes a long time and it's hugely expensive. Why waste all that time to get it to that stage, then make a mess of the application and get the product banned because it's gone to non-target areas? 
So it's a complete waste for, for, of everybody's time and effort. And particularly when we're, when there's lots of products uh, not getting re-registered. So the, the, the products that we've got left to be able to do the job are reducing. So we need to manage them wisely and appropriately, A, to get them to the ground or the target where they need to be, and to make sure that we're not building up resistance by using them incorrectly uh, and making sure that the application is is right. So it, it's important to do. Yeah, very important to do. So thinking about the nozzles, is one no- nozzle suitable to do the coarser and the finer or are you saying that you need a different type of nozzle for different types of applications? Different nozzles for different times, yes. You can have a compromise. Any application is a compromise on, on what you're doing. So you could have one nozzle, and if you want to reduce the pressure, then you'll change it. You'll get a larger droplet, but you'll have you'll have to go slower. If you want, if you're going faster, then you need to increase the pressure. So then you're reducing the droplet size, and then increasing your risk of of uh, of drift and, and inefficiency. So one nozzle doesn't do the job, and and growers should have a range of nozzles to be able to go for the target that you need to do at different times in the growth stage of the of the crops. So does Syngenta have some kind of tool to help farmers decide what speeds they're driving, uh, what pressures they need to be putting through, what water weight rates they've got? Well, we've done a lot of work when we come to product registration and uh, the water volumes are there because we need to have the correct concentration of the products going on so that we don't run the risk of of uh, uh, of, of any issues to to uh, what's being applied to the to the crop and for the operator exposure as well uh, bystanders the lot so we need to make sure that we've got the right concentration there so the water volumes and the rates of product are deemed and are on the label so that's that's part of the registration process but to be able to help the growers in the field we have an app called Spray Assist, um, which is available from your your um, downloads, either on, on uh, Apple or Android. Uh, you can use that. You fill in the details for the sprayer you've got, the boom width, the the tank that, that uh, tank size you've got, uh, and then you add in the nozzles that you have on the sprayer that you have available. And if you uh, choose your crop that you're going into, the growth stage, whether it's herbicides or fungicides or whatever that's going on, you can you can find all those different parameters and it will come up with the most appropriate nozzle for the job on the day because it links in with the weather and you'll get a, a green, amber, red as to whether it's suitable to spray on the day or weather forecast for uh, suggestions of what it's going to be like up to five days in advance. So if, if you have got a larger area you're looking after, and particularly for contractors, you can see whether you, you need to turn left or right as you go out the yard in the morning as to where you're going to get the best uh, chance of, of uh, spraying for the day because sometimes you can go one way and then you find out it's too windy and you have to turn around and double back and then you find out it's too windy when you get to where you're going you've done nothing, whereas you might have had a chance to get some uh, product on I uh, haven't used the app there. So so that is a, a a good addition to the armory for being able to help make the decisions on, on what you're doing at the time. It's amazing what technology can do nowadays. That could 
So that can make such a big difference to a contractor and being able to get the work done or struggling to get all the work fitted in at the right time. Well, it, it is for all growers because it might mean that you think, well, I, I'll not be able to do this today, but there may be an opportunity to do it later on in the day, but at least you can start to plan or for the next day or the following or whatever. So you can start to plan the way you, you need to go, particularly when weather windows of opportunity are few and far between or can be few and far between then you're able to to make the best of it. It also means you can start planning for the week ahead. If you said five days in advance, you, if you see that the next three days are red, you can go and plan other work and other things that are needing done and you know that spring's likely to be off the guard for those three days. Absolutely, but you do need to keep watching it because as we well know, depends what valley you're, valley you're in to depending what weather you get. So it, it, it's a good... It's a good starting point and it's something to help. It's not always going to be the absolute answer, but it certainly gives you a, another uh, opportunity to make sure you're doing the job correctly. But it makes a huge difference from having to walk out the door just to see, does the wind hit me or not this morning? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you've been saying that there's been a lot of work done on developing new sprays and getting them out into the market, but what work's being carried out on different types of nozzles? We're continually making uh, advancements in, in application techniques to make sure that products are getting to the right place. I think it's a common theme that we're talking about, making sure it gets there. But new nozzles that we've got released now are uh, our 3D90 nozzle. It's a 90% drift reduction uh, nozzle, so it's a far larger droplet, but it makes sure that uh, the products get to the right area. They're very good for pre-M applications onto bare soil where you need to get that, that coverage. Excellent for going on to beds, you know, so for vegetables or for potatoes, and you don't get the same shading as you would normally do with a finer droplet. So you've got green up the, the leeward side of all the, the beds, whereas with the 3D90, you get coverage around all of them. So obviously the herbicide controls a lot better. They're very good for... Um, blight applications onto potatoes and also for desiccation. So we've done a lot of work on, on that as well as in, as in other veg crops and we're getting a handle on how well they perform on uh, for fungicides into cereals because obviously herbicides and fungicides work in different ways but we need to make sure that we're getting good coverage, enough droplets there to do the job uh, and make sure that the, the products are working effectively to control disease in, in cereals. So we're continually working on that and results so far have been have been very, very good. But as I say, we're all we're always striving to do better. This technology now in other parts of Europe, I know we're not deemed to be part of Europe anymore, but in other parts of Europe, 90% drift reduction nozzles are the norm and will increasingly do so. And it will be the, it will become the norm in the UK as well in time so the days of the flat fan nozzle as it is will go and it's all down to to the risk of using um, products in the field so i think it's you know it's it's back to this importance of making sure we're getting the target hit all the time because if we don't do it we're not going to have the products to use quite simple so we slightly a step behind Europe still, though, then if they're already on these 90% reduction nozzles already, are we just that little bit behind where they are? I think it depends on how big the, the non-target areas are, because if you look to the likes of, of, uh, of the Netherlands, 
there's lots of water courses there. So therefore, they've, they've got a far greater risk to, to make sure that they're getting the products on, onto the ground. They need to have that larger droplet, notwithstanding the wind that's going to come off the North Sea as well. So there's all these other parameters to make sure it gets it gets to the to the target. It's great to hear that there's a lot of work being done to make sure we're using our chemicals as efficiently and as well as possible to try and keep those chemicals on the shelves for years to come. Absolutely. So thinking about the different types of nozzles, is there different nozzles that we should be using at T zero compared to T one, T two, and T three? Well, again, it's. Uh, back to what we were saying earlier that making sure that we're getting the target hit properly so when the 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 crops are more open if you're needing to get to tidy up on grass weeds or herbicides early growth regs or a t0 a finer droplet is going to be the better one because you've got a small target to go for obviously if it's compromising conditions then you could change to to an air inclusion nozzle for instance an amistar nozzle um because you've, you've got more chance of controlling the drift then it's, it's slightly larger and, and has got air inclusion in there into the droplet t1 and t2 um, the amistar nozzle is by far and away the best one because you get the penetration into the canopy as well rather than with a fine droplet that would just sit on the surface or more product would sit in the surface rather than get down in to tackle any any problems further in the crop and then at uh T3 timing, you're trying to cover the ear, so then change to a finer droplet if you can, uh, a, a 3D nozzle, uh, being able to, to do that. You've got your forward and, and rear application with the, as, across the boom, so you're getting even application across the top of the crop. So it's important to do that because you're hitting the target. You need to, need to hit for the, the diseases and problems that you're, you're trying to alleviate. So there's definitely different nozzles for different uses and different purposes. Absolutely. What does the air inclusion, what difference does that make? Well, what, what, that, what that does is gives you a larger droplet. It's got, got more energy. It's a, a greater mass, so it's got more, more chance of penetrating into the crop. But when it hits, because of the air inclusion in the droplet, once it hits, it splits. So then you've got finer droplets, so you get better coverage onto the leaves of the crop. So you've got more, uh, you've got more activity there from the product that's got onto the crop because you've got you've got more droplets effectively applied to the leaf. Fascinating. I remember going to one of your open days a couple of years ago, and you had um, different nozzles in like a water bath. Um, is there a chance that people will be able to see those again going forward? Do you have somewhere they could go and see that? Well, we we have our open days through the year. As we well know, in the summertime, everybody's trying to get round and find a burger and choose who's got the best catering. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to be a bit later in the season. So, yes, we'll have our, our nozzle bath there. We may even have uh, some nozzles on, on a sprayer if there is room and uh, the ability to do so. And we'll also be demonstrating close transfer technology as well. So the first of the Syngenta Open Days is on the 29th of June. Whereabout is that being held, Ian? It'll be at Merton Estate near St Boswell's. And am I right in thinking you've got one further north as well? Yes, we've got another date. Uh, again, it will be on the Scottish Agronomy site up at Balgoni, and that will be on the 5th of July. So you might as well get go there, check out the catering, and you'll get to see the low drift nozzles. 
Ian's led us very nicely there onto closed transfer systems because Magenta are currently doing a lot of work with this. And from what little I know about it, I feel like it's a great step forward if we can start going and protecting people's health um, with these closed transfer systems. So do you want to just start by just explaining what a closed transfer system is, Ian? Yeah, well, closed transfer system, it's uh, a method of getting the contents of the can into the sprayer and significantly reducing the operator exposure. Uh, the idea is that, that it is perfect, but uh, in this world, nothing is, is ever perfect, but it is as close to, to that as we can as we can manage. Anything to help the sprayer's health and not exposing them to chemicals must be a huge benefit. Well, it, it is, and the, the, guy, the operators that are using these products, then there's a duty of care from everybody to make sure that the, the risk is reduced. And now we've got a, an engineering control method, so it's a case of you can't really you can't justify not using it when that is there now to reduce the risk to the operator. It's also um, a, a great great improvement because it stops some point source um, pollution as well. So where you're filling your, your sprayer up, then it's going to reduce the risk of that of of any glugs and drips and, and spills that are there. So it it's. Uh, it's a marked improvement from what we've been doing. Sounds good. So can you use a closed transfer system with any kind of bottle or is it special bottles that then go into the system? Well, obviously when uh, when new technology comes, there's always you solve one problem and create a few others, but there's um, uh, numerous um, manufacturers now, you know, the main manufacturers of, uh, uh, of, of ag products, ag chem products, are now working on this. So we've all bought into it because it, it is a major step forward. So it's a change in the in the construction of the can because the the cans that Syngenta had used in the past, the S-Pack, the, the spout was at one side of the can, but it's now it's going to be central. So it makes balancing on top of the CTS unit a lot better. So there's 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 no chance of it sort of falling off or, or being strained on one side. So it's centrally mounted, makes it a lot easier to to uh, to fit onto the system and obviously to wash and to take off. So yeah, big changes on, on that, but it's a, it's a standardized cap that everybody will be using. It's great to hear that um, they're going to have standardized bottles and it's going to be the same for all companies. It makes it worthwhile when you get the um closed transfer system you can go and use it with any kind of product so if you're looking to get a closed transfer system onto your farm uh, what sort of price is that going to be how difficult is it going to be to get well it's new technology so there's, there's obviously a bit of a premium in there and it depends where what system you're buying it currently there, there are two systems that look to be coming to the market one is from hypro pentair and the other one is from teffin which is a, a, a digital system, uh, slightly you know different from from the high propentair, but do the same job. Make sure the product gets into the into the spray tank without uh, having to be exposed to it. Prices at the minute they range depending who you talk to, where where they where you're looking at, but you're starting around about sixteen hundred pounds up to possibly just over two thousand pounds. However. It will become standard fitment to sprayers in the fullness of time because uh, legislation will take us there. So it will be part of the cost of a sprayer. 
as it stands at the minute, the sprayers are obviously designed to incorporate the the induction hoppers so they fit in neatly into the framework and the chassis of the sprayer. So having to bolt something else onto it can be done, but when the new sprayers come along, then it, it needs to be uh, designed so that it fits in easily and, and fits into the system. So at the moment, yes, you can fit it to, to some sprayers, but it, as I say, it will be onto every sprayer, I suppose, in the fullness of time. You can have that at a dedicated fill point, so you have a, a hard fit, if you like, at your filling point in the yard or on your uh, mixer lot, uh, on your mixer trailer. So you've got different places that you can have it to make sure that the, the operator's uh, risk of, of exposure is reduced. It's definitely worthwhile um, getting it, and it's great to hear that it's all coming and it'll all be integrated through all the steps as well. Yes. Because even uh, £2,000 for someone's health, so that's it's it's peanuts to spend if it's the difference between being healthy and not because you've been exposed to these chemicals. Well, it, it is, and as I say, legislation will, will take us there. Again, in, in some countries, Denmark and, and, well, in Holland and Denmark, that's going to come within the next two years that, it, that all products will have to go through close transfer systems. In some instances, 90, 90% drift reduction nozzles. So you can see where everything is going. Uh, and that will end up in the fullness of time coming to the UK as well, that, that it will have to be fitted onto the sprayers. What's likely to happen, as I say, is that for registration of products, it will have to be applied. It'll have to be through a closed transfer system, through a, a specific type of nozzle. So it will become more prescriptive in, in how you're able to use these products rather than do it yourself, which is as we are just now. And there's various levels of do it yourself as to how safe and, and uh, uh, secure they are to operate in an environment. So if we can get that tightened up, then it's, it's good for everybody. Definitely. Am I right in thinking as well with the closed transfer system, you can also do the washing out of the empty bottles as well? Yes. Well, it's all part of it. So the once the contents have been emptied out, then it uh, turns into a, a can wash. So flick a lever and then you've, you've got the water going through it, clean water going through to clean it out. And then the, the cans now as well are all able to go back for recycling. The lids, everything can go. As, as recycled okay there's plenty of people would love to have them sent back to be refilled but legislation doesn't allow that and moving in empty containers uh, around the place is, is not the most efficient uh, way of doing things so at this moment in time recycling is the is the option that we've that we've got whether that changes in time let's wait and see but at the moment that's that's where it is I feel like everything's getting much more environmentally conscious, conscious of uh, people's health. And it's great to hear that all these things are beginning to come because uh, we do need to look after our environment. Well, it's making, making everybody more aware of what they're doing to be able to get the best out of it for themselves and, and the environment. Yeah, I'm sure 10 years ago, people were probably just putting things into this brain, not thinking about what harm it had to them when they spilt it on their hands or something. I think we've all gone through different levels of of uh, risk savviness, uh, if I put it that way. And we're all a lot more aware of what we're doing now rather than than, than sending somebody out to go to go and do a job and let them make it up them, themselves. As I say, there's a duty of care with everybody to make sure 
that, that it's done properly, not least to the operator. He's got a duty of care, but the employer's got a duty of care as well as the, the manufacturer. So it, it, it falls on cascades down the line that, that everybody's looking after everybody. Yeah, definitely. Just to summarise, do you want to give your three top tips for the season ahead? The three main things, if we start right at the beginning, make sure you check over your sprayer properly right at the very beginning because if it's not right at the beginning, it, it will certainly won't be right at the end. So make sure you make a good start there. I think the correct nozzle for the, for the target that you're after, whether that be fine weeds, so fine droplets and... Uh, fungicides, making sure you're getting good application, good coverage uh, throughout all that you're doing. And the last one probably is make sure you get your timeliness right. Definitely great advice there. Thank you very much for joining us today, Ian. Thank you. Next up, we have an update on what is happening just now out in the field. Oh, hi, my name is Mark Basher Gibbs. I'm a consultant with SAC Consulting, working out of the Edinburgh office. And just a few thoughts uh, to pass on and discuss regarding rotations and the volatility in the markets at the moment. And it's very difficult to plan ahead with crop prices and input costs moving up and down as much as they are. Uh, it was interesting and perhaps not surprising that the Scotland's Rural Business Survey uh, showed that the year ended in 22 saw an increase in, in profits over the previous year for arable farms. But I dare say that's going to come under pressure moving forward. Um, and whilst we can't control the external market forces uh, and the economic impacts of inflation, etc., there is things we can do on the farm to, to help improve our profitability. And one of those is rotations. And I think whether you're already in quite a diverse rotation or you're perhaps growing continuous cereals. I think perhaps after the drillings out the way in the spring, the summer is a good time to perhaps look at what you're doing on the rotational front. Can you reduce your growing costs? Can you deliver IPM strategies through the rotation? Can you spread risk? Can you inject fertility into the rotation by changing cropping? And are you optimizing on your labor and power requirements? I think there's a lot there to consider perhaps to streamline the business. And actually, do you know what your current rotational gross margin is? Often we talk about a five, six year, seven, seven year rotational gross margin rather than individual crops. So I'd encourage a review of what you're doing and um, see if there are any improvements you can make to your profitability. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much to Ian Lindsay for being a fantastic speaker and sharing his wealth of knowledge. If you have enjoyed this episode, why don't you subscribe and share, pass it on to your friends. Also, if you've enjoyed this episode, why not look back at some of our past episodes or why not try out one of the other podcasts available from the Farm Advisory Service. Thrill of the Hill did an excellent episode in March with the Farm Business Survey team where they're sharing the importance of looking at your figures and knowing where your business is at. So it's definitely worth a listen. Thank you for joining us today. See you again next time. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. 
brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.